Downstairs for Junior Church. You can see if Brother Sean will let you do it outside today. <laughs> Chloe was just itching to get out there, and I told her, I asked Brother Sean if you guys can do Junior Church outside. But I don't think he's going to want to do that. I don't <laughs> and I don't blame him one bit. Oh, my. Alright, well, go ahead and take your Bibles today and go to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 5. 1 Peter, chapter 5. Something that I. Uh, I think I do around here, and I, I definitely want to do and try to do. I try to, uh, I just be, I be, I'm opening up front about motives. I mean, I've, and I've given all the secrets to you all, you know, just kind of the things that, you know, as preachers, I guess, we're supposed to keep under our hats. I don't know. I just, I just, I like to lay it all out there for people and just let them know, hey, this is what we're trying to do. Uh, if somebody comes here and they're lost, 
hey, we're wanting them to get saved. Uh, if somebody's here and they're not right with God, we're hoping they're going to. We want them to get right with God. I'm just going to be honest about it. And uh, we've got some motives here. Uh, there's things that we're trying to accomplish and things that we want to see done. And uh, I'm not ashamed of that because the Bible tells us to do those things. And uh, if people read the Bible, they're going to figure out real quick uh, what we're trying to do. But First Peter chapter five, I'm going to share some of these things with you today. Uh, really. I'm going to talk about the responsibility of a pastor today. And I'm going to just show you what the Bible says a pastor is supposed to be doing. I might be getting myself in trouble here because if I'm not doing it and doing a very good job, well then uh, I've just exposed myself. But hey, we're going we're gonna to preach the whole counsel of God and uh, see what the Bible says. But the main reason I want to do, I felt led to do this is I thought it, I want you all to understand I guess where I come from and what I'm trying to accomplish when I preach, why I do what I do. I said there, there's no secrets here. I'm not trying to get anything past all of you. My desire when we started this church is just for it, us to do it biblically. Just what we do around here, we do it biblically. We find Bible answers for things. And so if, you know, if you were to ask people, what does a pastor do? You're going to get a whole bunch of different answers. And there's a lot of things, but the important thing is, what does the Bible say? And what does God expect and, uh, from a pastor? What is, what is their job? And I think that uh, this, hopefully this message will help you understand what I want to accomplish when I'm standing up here preaching. It's not just that I like to hear myself talk. Uh, sometimes I've listened to myself preach online, and I don't know how you all listen to me all the time. It drives me crazy to hear myself. Uh, I don't like that very much, and it, it's not that at all. Uh, it's not that I, you know, like yelling at people, bossing people around. I'm just I'm not into that. That's not my thing. Uh, I'm not I'm not about that one bit. But there are some things that I want to accomplish, and one I believe it's what God's called me to do, and uh, I don't believe I could be happy doing anything other than what He called me to do. And uh, I'm just going to be honest. Um, you all here today, I mean, you're the best folks I've ever pastored. And uh, also the only ones, but uh, that makes you the best too. And I do, I, I love what I'm doing. I love what God has called me to do. And uh, it, it is a great thing. But let's read some verses today. And we're going to, I'm kind of going, I'm kind of going somewhere with all of this. It's leading us somewhere to, I guess, really your part in all of this. And But in, in verse 1, 1 Peter chapter 5, it says, The elders which are among you, I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that should be revealed. Sometimes a pastor is referred to as an elder or an elder as a leader in the church. And he's uh, he's talking to leaders in the church here. He's talking to pastors, talking to elders. And then he tells them he's specifically what to do. He says, I'm an elder and here's what you're supposed to do. He said, feed the flock of God which is among you taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. You know, nobody's nobody made me is making me be the pastor here. I don't have anybody putting a gun to my back telling me I have to do this. Uh pastor ought to be somewhere willingly because that's what that's where God wants and that's what he wants to do. Not for filthy lucre. I'm not doing it because of a big fat paycheck. I'm not doing it because so I can you know become rich and live an easy, luxurious lifestyle. But but of a ready mind. Neither is being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples of the flock. 
Not here so I can boss everybody around. So, uh, some people enjoy bossing people around. Uh, that's not really my thing. Uh, I guess, you know, I mean, I guess I'd rather boss somebody around than get bossed around. I think we're all probably like that a little bit. But we're not lords over God heritage, but in samples or an example to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So, first thing we see here, Peter, he mentions, he says specifically, feed the flock of God. I believe that's one of the main jobs of a pastor is to feed God's people. And we're not talking about food. You would not want me to feed you food. Alright? I'm not a very good cook. Um, I know how to ask my wife to make some really good things and she can do a good job. But if I was to be the one feeding you, it wouldn't be a good thing. Uh, when we, you know, had the men's breakfast here the one day, I didn't even make that food. All right, you know, brother TC. If it was about food, he would definitely be a better pastor than me. If it was about feeding food, because he does better. Uh, there's probably many uh, men and women, especially here, that would be much better than me if that's what it was about. But this is talking about feeding, uh, feeding people spiritually. Give God's. We're supposed to give God's people something that will help them spiritually. We're, we live in a very sinful world today, and all of us need help spiritually if we're going to be obedient to God. If we're going to be good, strong Christians, and God has called us. Uh, he's called me as a pastor to feed God's people spiritually. He's called you as church members and as Christians to come to the church and come and get that spiritual food that we all need. We need. The preaching of the Word of God. We need to hear the Scripture. We need to hear the Scriptures read. We need to hear it expounded upon. And sometimes we even need it maybe just pounded in our heads a little bit. Boy, sometimes we need a good, friendly, maybe even loud reminder. And that's what God has called pastors for. And to feed the flock, give them something that will help them spiritually. I hope you're getting something spiritually. When you come here to church, I hope, I hope you enjoy coming here. I hope you have a good time and you like the people. I even hope that you like me. But I hope you're not just coming here for carnal reasons. I hope it's because you're getting something spiritually that's helping you to become a better Christian and to feel closer to God and you're learning more from His words. We're, uh, as pastor was supposed to do this with the right, for the right reasons and with the right attitude. Not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Doing it for the right reasons. Except uh, if I'm just doing it because I want a following. And I want to brag about all the people, you know, I you know, I've passed through the biggest church or whatever. That that's not what it's about. I'm supposed to be do it go where God calls you. You know, I could have you know, I guess if it was up to me, I'd have probably and if it was up to me, I'd have probably asked God, you know, Lord, send me you know, down south somewhere where it's nice and warm, there's nice weather. Send me, you know, to pastor a church around a whole bunch of millionaires that can pay me, you know, millions of dollars, I guess. And you know, that's if it was if I was doing it for that reason. But it's not for carnal reasons. The Lord sent me here, and uh, said nobody's making me, and I wouldn't really want a pastor that was being forced into doing something like that. I've heard pastors talk about you know times when it was tough and they didn't want to do it. I heard a pastor one time he was going through a tough time in his church and was getting a lot of grief from some of the people and he talked about sometimes before he'd go out and preach he'd just be so nervous he'd go into the bathroom and throw up because he was he was under that much pressure and you know he stayed faithful. There's going to be times where maybe don't feel like doing it, but you know those will those usually pass. 
and come and go. Thank God I haven't had that. I've never thrown up once before service. And there was one week I felt like that's just because I was sick and uh, <laughs> wasn't wasn't feeling real good. Had nothing to do with not wanting to be. But I wanted to be here bad. I, I did not want to miss, and I wasn't going to let it stop me. But do it for the right reasons. Also, we need to remember the pastor is supposed to remember really just whose children you all are. Notice you. None. Nobody here calls me father. All right, and please don't. The only ones a lot. You know, maybe my kids. They, you know, but you know, they usually call me dad. But you know, I'm not anybody's father here. Okay, with the exception of, of my kids. You are the children of God. It says in verse three, "Feed the flock of God which is among you." All right, you you all belong to God. Hey, God, and God has called me to preach His word to you, not my word. I'm supposed to be promoting God, not promoting myself. You all belong to God. We need a pastor supposed to remember exactly who he's working for. I'm not just working for the people here of Liberty Baptist Church, even though, you know, I guess if y'all wanted to, you could vote me out of here and get somebody else to take my place. But really, though, I'm working for God. And when it comes down to it, if the day comes, and this has happened to pastors, I know one pastor, I can't remember how many years, for years, he pastored one church, and finally, several of the people got together and they said, you know what? Uh, we'd like to go a little more contemporary. Uh, we don't really like this, you know, old fashioned stuff. And they fired him. Got a new pastor. I mean, after, I think it was 15, 20 years maybe, he'd been there. I mean, it was, it was a very sad story. But you know what? Ultimately, he was working for God. If he was just working for people, then he should have said, well, I'm sorry. Well, we'll go ahead and get a new Bible and we'll preach a new message and get the new music. And, and But no, he's not. we're not working for people. We're ultimately working for God. And that's who we're supposed to be loyal to and who we're supposed to follow. And kind of what we're doing, you know, pastoring God's people, it's kind of like when you watch someone else's children maybe. If you were to babysit my kids, hopefully while they're there, you're not going to try to unteach them some of the things that I've been teaching them. You're not going to say, you know, I know your parents teach you this, but listen, we know better than they do. You don't do that with somebody else's kids. I mean, listen, I'm not even going to go tell somebody else's kid that there's no such thing as Santa Claus. All right, I'm not. You know, it's like that's up to the parents. Well, you know, we'll let them. We'll let them take care of those things. But and God has called us to preach His word to His people, and for me to do anything else would be so out of line that it's not even funny. It would be absolutely wicked to do that. And this is not about my message. It's about God's message. But also, we're supposed to watch for souls. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Hebrews 13, verse 17. says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Watching for souls. One of the things that God's called us to do and one of the things that I try to do as a pastor, I try to pay attention to what's going on, I guess, in the world, what's going on with people to find out what it is. Because, you know, unfortunately, people aren't just clamoring to get saved. I don't know if anybody else has noticed that before, but when we go out knocking on doors and inviting people to church, they're not super excited to see us. When we come, if I ask people, hey, can I show you 
from the Bible how you can know for sure you're going to heaven, they don't get all excited and say, sure, let me, I want to hear it. They, they don't do that. And you know what? As a pastor, and just as a Christian, I wonder what is it that's making people not want to go to church? What is it that's stopping people from wanting to hear the Gospel? What is it that's stopping people after they hear it? Sometimes we get visitors in here, maybe a first-time visitor, they've never heard the Gospel before, and they don't get saved right away. And I, I, I wonder, what is it that's stopping these people? What is it that's stopping God's people from being obedient? Did you know that even Christians, there's, they have some pretty big struggles sometimes. They're not completely obedient to the Word of God just because... I preach something doesn't mean everybody's all of a sudden going to start listening to it. Even if I show them 20 Scriptures backing it up. What is it that's going on? There's things out there and there's there's that are drawing people away from God and drawing people away from the things of God. Satan's got all kinds of tools out there that he's using. And I'm supposed to get up and warn people about that stuff. Supposed to call it out. Supposed to preach against sin. Supposed to show people what the Word of God says about it. And there, there's a lot of junk out there that is destroying many people. And unfortunately, there is a temptation to want to be liked by everyone. I think, I think every pastor faces that. There's that temptation to want to be liked. But go to Acts chapter 20 and verse 18. Acts 20, verse 18. I want you to look and see what Paul said here. It says in Acts chapter 20, verse 18, it says, And when they were come to him, he said unto them, Ye know from the first day that I came into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by lying in wait. Of the Jews, Paul he had it he, right from the beginning. He's preaching the truth, but boy, he had some temptations and he had he had some tears because there was people that were the Jews that Paul loved very much. By the way, they were lying in wait for him. And it says in verse twenty, and how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly and from house to house testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I go bound in the Spirit unto Jerusalem, not knowing the things that shall befall me there, save that the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have testified of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore, I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men. He was able to say that because he preached them the truth. And in Hebrews 13, verse 17, we see that someday we're going to give an account from God. God's going to check up and see what we preached and how we preached and were we, uh, were we preaching the truth. And Paul said, I'm, I'm pure from the blood of all men. I have, I have not shunned to declare unto you all the, all the counsel of God. I haven't, it's like I've told you everything. 
I've been up front with you. I've been honest. And you know what? There was temptations. He said, I'm getting ready. I'm bound in the Spirit. I'm going to Jerusalem. And I don't know what's going to happen to me when I go to Jerusalem. Paul loved those people there, but they didn't love the message that he was preaching. They didn't like what he was spreading. And Paul knew there was a very good chance that he might be in prison, that he might even be killed. But he said, I don't even count my life. He said, I don't count my life dear. I'm going to finish my course with joy. I'm going to be obedient. And as a pastor, we're supposed to preach the whole counsel of God, even stuff that people don't like. Even stuff that people don't want to hear about. And that's kind of part of, you know, in feeding the flock. Some people, it's like they want to be fed the same thing all the time. My wife, whenever she's going to go grocery shopping, what do you feel like eating? And I always say the same thing all the time. I say bourbon chicken. And there's no bourbon in it, by the way, but it's just called bourbon chicken. Good stuff. She makes it. Love it. And I just tell her that. What do you want besides that? That's what I want. <laughs> I want the same thing all the time. I want the same thing all the time. She's got a bunch of other things I like, but that's always the first thing that comes to my mind. And some people are like that with church. They want to go somewhere and just, I want to hear about the love of God. I want to hear about the love of God. Well, there's other stuff too. We need to hear about the wrath of God sometimes. We need to hear about God's holiness. And about judgment. And there's there's some of the things in there that aren't as fun. And people don't want to hear it. And if you preach those things, you're not going to be real popular sometimes. There's going to be people that are going to get upset and aren't going to like you and maybe not want to come back anymore. But we've got a responsibility to preach the whole counsel of God because we're watching for souls. And there's things out there that people just gravitate towards that people love that are destroying lives. And God has called us to speak up about it. He's called us to make some, He's called us to make some noise. It says there in verse, uh, where did I leave off? In 28, take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which He hath purchased with His own blood. Let me tell you something about you folks. You're very valuable to God. It's like when you're watching somebody's kids, once again, for example, I mean, you, they've put you in charge of their most valuable possessions that they have. And you all are God's most valuable possession. You've been purchased with His blood. And to do anything that God has commanded me not to do would be a horrible thing to do. It says, for I know this that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. You know, I wish that everybody out there was backing up what I was, what I, what I try to teach here, backing up the Word of God. But I know that when I teach, for example, if I get up here and I teach on creation, the young people, they're going to go to their schools and they're going to hear about evolution. They're going to go turn on their television and they're going to hear about evolution. They're going to go to the museum and they're going to hear about evolution. They, I can get up here and I can preach about morality. But y'all are going to go out in the world and you're going to see example after example of immorality. You're going to see it praised. And you're going to see it uh, you know, just said that it's a good thing and that it's a normal thing. And I said the Bible says something completely different. And I know sometimes I feel like it's like, as Baptists, we're the only ones saying this stuff. But, oh well, we're going to keep doing it because that's what we've been called to do. And there are going to be grievous wolves. There's going to be there's liars out there. There's false prophets that are out there. They look like preachers. They sound like preachers. But their words do not line up with the Scriptures. 
And it says, verse 31, Therefore watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the Word of His grace which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. He, Paul said, listen, I, I warned you, three years. I mean, he'd be there crying to these people. I know it's going to happen. And I've seen that before. I've, I've, I've witnessed the folks and seen them get saved. And it just breaks my heart because I know. I, I, I see what's going on in their lives and I know that Satan's going to attack those people. You see somebody come in, their life's a wreck, and they're trying to get right. They give their heart to God. You, you can just mark it down. Satan's going to attack those people. He's going to set you. And you know who he uses most of the time are people who call themselves Christians. They will criticize everything. Some young Christian they get they get saved and they're trying to do everything right, and they get all kinds of grief, not from lost people, but from saved people, church people. Just give them grief, grievous wolves, and it's you see that what they're going through, and it, it breaks your heart, and you're watching for souls because and. In Hebrews thirteen seventeen, we see that we are going to give an account for what we've been taught. Back in Hebrews thirteen verse seventeen, it says, "Submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account." I don't know how it's going to work exactly, but you know what? Someday, all of us are going to stand before God. Y'all are going to stand before God, and God's going to—he's going to ask us about how our our walk and our obedience. And you know, I can just picture, you know, I picture maybe Brother Lonnie, he's there standing before God, and God just looks at him and is like, Lonnie, you never really did follow me in this area. You weren't very separated. You know, why is that? But I don't, I don't, what is separation? You don't know what separation is? Well, didn't you go to Liberty Baptist Church? I can just picture God calling me up there. Did you preach, ever preach on separation? No. Why not? They would have got mad at me, Lord. People don't like hearing about that stuff. They they would have given me dirty looks. They'd have probably thrown me out of the church or walked out of the church. Look, I I didn't want to do that. You think God's going to care about that? Hey, you now you got to look at my face since you didn't preach the gospel. I want to be able to say, Lord, I did. I preached what you said to preach. And whether you all are obedient, hey, I'm not. I'm not. God didn't make me chief enforcer. All right, I'm just. I'm just the messenger. And it's it's up to you whether you're going to follow. Lord, I you know maybe call somebody up. Hey, you didn't do any tithing. Why didn't you tithe? I wanted to bless you. I wanted you to be better off financially. Why didn't you tithe, Pastor? Pastor Tommy, come on up here. Did you preach on tithing? I want to be able to say yes, I did. But Lord, I preached. They got mad at me. They didn't like it. They, you should have seen the look they gave me. And listen, if that happens, the Bible says that when they, as they that must give account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. What I want to happen is I want to be able to, whenever they get, you get questioned on something, I want, and the Lord maybe comes to me, I want to say, Lord, I did teach that, and they followed it. Well, Lord, whatever I preached on, you know, as long as I gave them scripture on it, they're like, "That's what I'm going to do." Lord, they followed. They followed everything. They were hungry for your word. They asked questions, and Lord, once I showed them from the scripture, they were all over it. They were all about it. That's what will bring me joy. That's what will get me excited. I would be devastated if I had to go to maybe if somebody here got accused 
of murder or something terrible, and I had to go testify against you because I knew you did it. Maybe I was a witness. It'd break my heart. I wouldn't want to do that. But I had to tell the truth. And it would be a hard thing to do. But you know what? I would gladly go to court for anybody here. If anybody that's sitting in this room got accused of murdering somebody at 11.45 on December 8th, 11.45 a.m., I would gladly go and say, Your Honor, I was there. I was with them. They didn't do it. They were sitting right there in the pew. They were there for the whole service. They're not the ones. That would bring me joy. And guess who profits from that? You do. You're the one that is profitable for it. And the things that we teach that Paul's talking about here and the things that I try to preach are for your benefit. It's, it's for your good. It's not because I'm anxious to get your money or to get you acting a certain way. That's not what it's about. This is for your, I, I don't necessarily gain from that. It's you that gain from following after God. It's you that will be better off. And I'm going to answer for what I've taught, so I've got to make sure it's what the Bible says. What we teach is for your profit and for your benefit. The truth is, it's more profitable for me on earth to just be liked by everyone. That's way more profitable. I could probably make more money that way. I could probably get a bigger following that way. That would be more profitable for me to be liked. How do I profit for making somebody mad at what I preach? I don't profit, you know, in the carnal sense. But the problem is, if I don't preach the truth, it could cost somebody their soul. If I go, it would make some people feel a whole lot better if I said, "Hey, you want to get saved? Just let me, you know, dunk you in the tank or blow in your face and you pass out or something. You know, get slay in the spirit and you're all good." That might make me more popular. That might make them happier. However, that's not going to save them one bit. It would be more profitable for me. I mean, man, you know, if I just said, hey, listen, you want to go to heaven? You better be at church every week unless you've got a really good excuse. Well, you better give your money. You don't give your money to the church. There's a good chance. You're, you're, there's no way you're going to make it to heaven. You want to get to heaven? All right. God said that you got to get, you know, it's got to be okay with the pastor too. If you're not here at church all the time, I might be able to get more people <laughs> to be faithful and do right. If you were smart, y'all would run. But that's those kind of and churches have done that, by the way, and pastors have done that, and that is a horrible, wicked thing. And they did it for filthy lucre. They did it for the wrong reason. They did it to profit themselves. But that is not what a pastor does. But then the next thing we see that a pastor does, if we go back to First Peter chapter five. First, you don't have to turn there, but he mentions being an example, which is an example to the flock. But go to First Timothy, chapter four. First Timothy, chapter four. Got it. I don't know if we'll be able to make it through this whole chapter here. This whole chapter is a good one to read. A lot of good advice he gives to Timothy here. But he says, "Now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter time some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devil. No seducing spirits. Something that seduces you. It's something that lures you through you know, a carnal desire. There's things out there that are being pushed and taught that are pretty and tempting. That's like, wow, that looks really good. 
Well, I wouldn't mind going that way. God says that's going to happen in the last time. Don't follow it. But it says speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Sometimes I ask myself, how can preachers get up and preach this stuff? How can they possibly do that? The Bible says their conscience has been seared with a hot iron. I mean, it doesn't feel, they don't feel anything anymore. Somebody that can get up and preach that you got to work your way to heaven, that you can get to heaven some other way than through Jesus Christ, I'm sorry, their conscience, I believe, has been seared with a hot iron. They, they have no feeling anymore to be able to tell somebody that. And then it goes on and uh, it gives a lot of examples of things that people do. But in verse 7 it says, "...but refuse profane and old wives' fables and exercise themselves rather unto godliness." One of the things that we're supposed to do as a pastor, we're supposed to ignore the trends of this world. We see that in verses one through five. There's going to be there's little trends and things that pop up, things that everybody wants to get into. That we're supposed to ignore those things. Also, we're supposed to stay planted in the scriptures. Like I said, refuse old wives' fables, refuse those other things. This is verse nine. This is a faithful saving and worthy of all acceptation. For therefore we both labor and suffer reproach, because we trust in the living God, who is the Savior of all men, especially of those who believe. These things command and teach. We're supposed to just stick to the Word of God. This is this is it. There's other stuff out there that's more popular. There's other books out there right now that are getting pretty popular. That people are getting a lot of their doctrine and the methods for running the church from. And I would stay away from that. Stay planted in the Scriptures. And we're also supposed to ignore the critics. Verse 12 says, "...let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity in spirit and faith in purity till I come, give attendance to reading exhortation to doctrine. Neglect not the gift that is in thee which was given thee by prophecy with the laying on of hands of the presbytery. Meditate upon these things. Give thyselves wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. Notice that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and under the doctrine, continue in them, for in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. We're supposed to be an example until Christ returns. He says, let no man despise thy youth. Timothy, obviously, he was, he was a young pastor. I guess, you know, I just had a birthday, you know, a couple weeks ago. I'm feeling older, but, uh, I've been told I'm a very young pastor. You know, sometimes, I mean, Brother Lana, we got a guy surprised the other day, he introduced me as his pastor, and he's just like, Oh, and I was just like, "What was that for?" And I kind of knew he's like, he "Was like you're young." It's like I was like, "I'm I'm not that young," and I was like, "I'm feeling older anyway." But uh, hey, it's not about it's not about age. It's and you know what? There's going to be critics. Ah, you're too young, or ah, you're too inexperienced. Hey, God called me. All right, that's all I can say. I, I think I might, I might even agree with you on some of these things. You're not smart enough. I'm not going to argue with you there. You're not good looking enough. I wish I could argue with you there. I mean, oh, whatever. But hey, God called me and I'm not going to let what other people say stop me from doing what God's called me to do. I'm going to just keep doing it. You're going to keep on being obedient. And it just ignore the critics. And it says, and notice how it says, to be an example. And then it says, in verse 15, meditate upon these things. Give thyself wholly to them that thy profiting may appear to all. One of the things that 
I try very hard to do is make sure I set a good example and that I don't hide it from the world. That people see that, well, I mean, it's, it's important that what I do works. It's important that I raise my kids right. But I'm going to have a hard time preaching what the Bible says about raising children if my kids are just out of control. And listen, I haven't raised kids all the way yet. I don't have teenagers yet. And they're coming. I'm getting close. But you know what? I'm going to have a tough time. I could preach the Word of God about raising teenagers, but if my, you're reading about my teenagers in the newspaper all the time, you know, robbing gas stations and stuff, I'm going to have a hard time getting that message across, aren't I? I mean, it's, it's just not going to be an easy thing. But boy, if I'm, if I'm doing it right, if I'm, if they are living godly, I'm going to be able to have a bigger influence. And one of the things that is kind of sometimes maybe a burden to a pastor is just trying to make sure they set that example because people are watching. And God has, has put a lot of that on us to make sure that we basically show people how it's done. Not because we're trying to make ourselves look good, but I'm trying to make the Bible look good. Listen, I mean, me, I'm the kind of person, you know, I'm, I've always been accused of being a very private person. But uh, and that's that's kind of how I am. I mean, I said I don't really care about getting the attention of the world. I'm not I'm not interested in that at all. I'm a, you know I like I just prefer to mind my own business. But at the same time, God's called me to be an example, and I, I want to do that. I want to, I want to be able to show people how it's done because if they do it, it says in verse 16, "Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this." Thou shalt both save thyself and then they hear thee. If I do all these things, it's going to be good for me and the people that hear me. The people listening. It will help them too. It will save them too. So being an example. And so in conclusion, it is a humbling thing for God's people. And this is where you come in. Following the leadership of a pastor it is a humbling thing. You have to be willing to humble yourself. Let's go back to 1 Peter chapter 5, where we started. 1 Peter chapter 5. But it says, you know, he tells them to feed the flock of God. We're not as lords, we're not lords over God's heritage, but we're in samples of the flock. When the chief shepherd that's Jesus Christ. He's the one that's really in charge of the church. I've heard some people say pastors are kind of like sheepdogs. All right, Jesus, he's the shepherd, and those shepherds they have these sheepdogs. Sometimes maybe they'll sick after one of the sheep that's getting out of line. They they do a lot of barking. You know, they make a lot of noise and try to you know keep the flock together. And that's what we do sometimes. We're just sheepdog. We make a lot of noise, but uh, the Lord, he's the chief shepherd. And then he says, "Likewise, ye younger." He's talking to the younger people in the church, or those uh, that you know maybe aren't in the leadership. He said, "Submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time." Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Going to church, one church on a regular basis, you know, joining a church, following the leadership of a pastor, especially in a church like this where, yeah, I'm not that old. I mean, I, there's 
Pete, a lot of you in here, you're probably smarter than me uh, in a lot of ways and have more wisdom than me and more experience in a lot of ways. But when you follow the leadership, that takes humility. That takes humbling. And the Bible says to be clothed with humility. It's not necessarily something that's going to make you look great to the world. They might look at that and say, you listen to your preacher? What's that all about? Hey, I'm humbling myself. And when we do that, God says He will exalt you in due time. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it is a humbling thing to follow the leadership of a pastor, but it's also a humbling thing to have people that are willing to humble themselves. I mean, you humble me by your faithfulness. I mean, and the the faithfulness you've shown, the involvement that you've had in this church, what you do. I mean, sometimes I look and I think, Lord, there's a lot of other people that they could listen to that would probably be better than me. There's people who'd be so much better than me at this. Lord, I don't know. I don't know why they keep coming back. That's <laughs> why so I tell people, how the church? How's the church going? Folks keep coming back. I don't, I don't really know why. And, that's, and you know, I'm kind of joking, but sometimes I kind of mean it too. And that's humbling to me to see God's people humble themselves. But that is one of the things that pleases God like nothing else is when God's people humble themselves. And as a pastor, I've got the responsibility just to do what God's told me to do. And might mean I'm unpopular sometimes, but that's what it's all about. And then as Christians, you have a responsibility to follow that leadership and humble yourselves. And when you do, God will exalt you. You will be blessed for it. I'm not telling you to be a blind follower of me. Don't do that. I said, I give you scriptures on things, and you keep asking for the scriptures on things. You ask questions. If I preach something and you're like, I don't get that. You can ask me about it, all right? I'm not up here just giving out commands that <laughs> off the top of my head, all right? I don't have the right to do that. I can't make anybody do anything, and I don't want to make anybody do anything. I don't want to twist somebody's arm to get them to come to church. I don't want to have to drag them into the baptistry. I'm not, I'm not into that, all right? I got, I got five kids and another one coming. I got enough work trying to get them to behave and listen. I'm not doing that with other people, all right? Especially adults. I mean, it's it's not going to happen. Okay, I'm just going to get up here, be obedient, preach the word, and if you just if you keep following the word of God, God's going God is going to bless you like like you wouldn't believe. So with that, let's all stand together, head bowed and eyes closed.